are. Here we are, going off track. Going way off track. Uh, this is take uh, two of this intro. Take two of this intro. We're just uh, I was talking about how I had a cold, and then Brad was telling me his only cold remedy he's found that works well, is. But you know the thing is, so you just you just tried echinacea, yeah, which like is probably the most common like. Um, you know, home remedy, what do you call it? Like homeopathic or whatever, right? Right. Even though you just tried it, I'm surprised. But I think a lot of people are aware of echinacea. Um, yeah, I've tried echinacea. The only thing that I think really works for cold, in my experience, the only thing I've ever used that seemed to really have uh, impact on it was zinc. Really? Yeah. Like the minute you first, it, but you have to do it when you first start to feel it. Like I'll even, I've even done it. I've even started taking zinc like when, um, sometimes it was a false alarm because I was just fucking woke up like under the weather or something. But like if you, if you start taking it, like when you first start feeling a cold, um, it'll not, it'll cut it in half. Like if you have, if you have, if you're getting a cold that like, you know, your girlfriend just got over and it took her a week to get over it, it'll knock it down to like three days. Gotcha. Like, and absolutely, I've, this has been my experience consistently. But you got to start taking it as early as possible. And honestly, like, I've used coldies and stuff, but I think the best is, um, it's hard to find, but it's those these tablets that kind of nasty tasting. They're about the size of, like, a nickel. And they kind of look like a nickel. They're kind of chalky. Is it Zycam? No, Zycam, none of those like brand names. Those are okay. Those all work. But I the feel one... like those leave such a gross taste in your mouth that I'd rather be sick almost than have my mouth taste like I just like swallow. Well, I like... put them under my tongue and kind of dissolve them under my tongue because they make your food taste really weird for a long time. Yeah. I, I One time, actually, it was one of my false alarms when I was taking some zinc because I was kind of like under the weather. But I wasn't getting, I don't think I was getting sick. I just like sucked down one of these zinc. These ones that I'm talking about are even like more intense than Zycam. Like they really have like a metallic taste. Okay. And I stopped in my friend's bar and I had eaten this fucking thing like a half hour before, right? And I sent back like three different pints of beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, no, dude, you got it. The tap's dirty. Cause you know, like, have you ever had yeah. like a dirty tap taste and it yeah. tastes metallic? And I was convinced that that was what it was. And he finally gave me a bottle of beer and it tastes like shit. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> this is bad too. <laughs> I just, oh, I hate zinc. Um, I've been taking <laughs> zinc before I go to bed. Because when Anthony Green came on the podcast a couple weeks ago, he was like, Jonah, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I haven't really been sleeping. And he was like, you should take this thing ZMA. It's like zinc, magnesium, and B6. Oh, really? And yeah. he's like, I take a, like a half hour or something before I go to bed. And it act because like I do sometimes have trouble sleeping, and it actually works pretty well. But it and it's all natural. The only crazy part is that it gives you super vivid, crazy dreams. So oh, yeah, I'll like told me wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, like fucking like on the front <laughs> lines of some insane war zone, and I'll wake up, I'll be covered in sweat. I mean, like it's like really intense. I mean, that's a trade off. It's there. kind of fun. <laughs> Like, you kind of take it, and you're like, I wonder what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> and I haven't, like, I've been sober, so I haven't, uh, I've been able to, like, when I'm not going to bed stoned, you, like, remember your dreams a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, like... Well, you know, if you keep a, 
a little journal. notebook or a journal next to your bed. You're supposed to, when you wake up from the dream, you have to write it because you'll forget. Once you go back to sleep, you'll forget. I it. know. I'm sure I talked about some podcasts. I went to a, uh, um, a workshop in my old yoga studio with this guy who was a lucid dreaming expert. And he was, I could, I, I'll, I'll look up his name, but he, uh, he was like, you know, I'm a lucid dreaming expert. I figured out I could do it when I was a teenager. And for like the first couple of years, I just had sex with celebrities in my dream. He's like, that's all I did. And then he's like, and then I got into spirituality and he was talking about how like this thing was about dream yoga. It was like kind of out there, but he was like, if you meditate for like a minute in a dream, it's like meditating for like an hour. Oh, right. We talked And he about was this. like, that's how all these monks got enlightened because they would like, and he was, and, I, and so basically like the crux of the whole talk was like, okay, so how the fuck do, can I lucid dream? And he was basically like, what you need to do is uh, have a notebook outside of your bed. When you're going to bed, you need to set an intention, like lie in bed, no music, nothing, and just be like, I'm going to remember my dreams tonight. I'm going to remember my dreams. And just say that over and over. And then when you wake up, as soon as you, whatever you remember, just write it down. And just like the act of writing it down and getting it out of your head, like kind of like opens up another part of your brain where you're not like trying to remember. You can like let go and then you can sort of develop it. But he's like, it's a practice. Um, it's it's worth it. I, I believe it, you know, because I've, anytime I've like sort of uh, messed around with that kind of stuff, it's worked. Yeah. Like... Yeah, the first time I started lucid dreaming, I was very young, and my dad was, you know, he kind of gave me this pep talk. I had been having nightmares, you know, I was probably like, whatever, like seven. And he was like, you know, he kind of gave me, not quite as intense as this, but, you know, essentially, like, before you go to bed, think about it, you know, and when you start to have your dream, tell yourself it's it. And so very quickly, I started lucid dreaming, and like, you know, I'd be like, oh, shit, this is a dream. Like, I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly around this building. Um, and then when I got older, <laughs> started lucid dreaming about other things. But the problem is, is that it, it, it doesn't work because I, I feel like it's almost like there's a lucid dream center that was like, okay, you're abusing this practice. You need to have regular dreams because yeah, I'll have a lucid dream where I'm like, oh, this is a dream. Like I'm going to have sex with this beautiful woman. And as soon as I start having sex with her, she turns into like a fucking couch, <laughs> <laughs> which usually doesn't stop me, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like it never really works out. At least in my experience. But since I've been, I always thought, like, I've been doing it for so long. I, I got, I used up all my lucid dreaming credit when I was I don't think that's how it old. works, man. I think you can still do it. <laughs> so maybe I need to, to take a little class on, on. Yeah. Look it up. I'm sure this guy's online. I can't remember his name. He's a British dude. Uh, speaking of Europe, <laughs> both of today's guests live in Germany. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Interesting enough. Uh, Dave Laney, an Alberian, you may know from Malmarker. Also, they were in Challenger together. Uh, Mile Marker has been a band for over 20 years, 20 years about. Yeah, 97, I think. 97. We decided it was their first um, album. They have a new record out that came out this year on Love It called Overseas. Uh, and yeah, my old band played some shows with them. I've known Al and Dave for a long time. Uh, obviously, Al also did the zine Burn Collector, which is a classic, uh, classic zine. So we talked about all that. We talked about how they ended up in Germany. Um, mile marker, their writing, zine culture, all that stuff. And it was pretty fun, wasn't it, Brad? You were in this one. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> here's Al Burian and Dave Laney on Going Off Track. It's going off track! Politics in this country. 
They're getting pretty weird. It's, it's constant. Like I, I read the article, and uh, I really thought that the Onion may have hacked the BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you were know? like reading it in the van, and we were like, "No, this is a joke article." Yeah, the yeah. Onion's going to be out of business soon. Yeah, yeah they they there's no they need for them. It. They There's can't make it. They can't make it. I follow this page on Reddit that's called Not the Onion, and it's all stuff that <laughs> sounds like, like it should be, and it's all <laughs> real articles. It's insane. Uh, that's there's so many now. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, where do you, where do you guys live now, respectively? Berlin <laughs> and Hamburg. Berlin I live and in Hamburg. Berlin. Oh Papers wow. And Hamburg. Okay. And you, you, you guys have been over there for a long time, or how long? About seven years. Okay. We moved over about the same time. Gotcha. And how did that sort of come about? Because I feel like, because um, I know you guys have moved around a lot, especially Al. I feel like just from reading Burn Collector, it's like. North Carolina, Portland, you know, obviously that was a long time ago, but how did you guys kind of end up in Germany? Independent, different reasons, actually. Yeah. Do you I, like it? Um, <laughs> that's a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like after the, I mean, seven years is like, I, I would say I like it. I would also say the, you know, I've lived long enough that, lived there long enough that it's where I live and it's not. Yeah. It's a, you know, I the question of do you like where you live is like uh, I don't know. Yes. I think <laughs> I think it's pros and cons to everywhere. You know, there, there are things that I that I love about it, and there are things I despise about it. And yeah. The same thing living in Chicago when we were there it was I love the city. I hate the violence. Right. There's no way around the sort of like flip side. If somebody asks you a question more than a do you like it? Yeah, it's cool. You know, but when you when you break it down and really get into it, it's much more complicated question i think for everybody in every city that they live in definitely because i remember i bought this book from you at mercury lounge uh-huh. you were and that might was probably like seven years ago you were like hanging out i think against me had played or something or trophy wife or something and you were like uh-huh. hanging out and i was like oh i lost my book and you had like a backpack and i go i have a bunch of them i was hanging out and i had stuff for sale man <laughs> i don't think you I'm had dead. it for sale i think you literally just happened to have this and like you had another burn collector for sale and i like i bought them off you see that's what i gotta do always have something on me yeah it's smart i was like oh, i wish i could buy this book and you're like i have a bunch of them yeah and i'm trying to think and i feel like the last time we hung out was you guys stayed at my house in cleveland after challenger played that was a long time ago when Jessica Hopper was playing with you right. guys in the Jade Tree tour thing at the Grog Shop. I remember that, yeah. I remember uh, I had an upstairs neighbor who was super loud, and your drummer went up there, and he was like kind of scary looking and like yelled at the guy, and they were never loud again. It was awesome. <laughs> Noah? Yeah. It must have been Noah. Noah, yeah, yeah that sounds... Sounds like Noah's, Noah's sense of urban justice. Yeah, once once he gets to the snapping point, maybe he could shut somebody down, but generally he's a nice guy. Yeah, no. no. Noah, Noah's a really nice guy, but I could see how just your first impression. I think it was like shirtless and like <laughs> banging on the door, and I was like, I'm not going up there. I'm like, yeah. So that was great. Thanks. You know, if you talk to him, tell him thank yeah, you. Yeah, anytime. Um, so I was curious, like, I was actually just talking to Jeff today. Um, I was trying to get him to come by to host, too, who put out. The le- I remember when Eyeball put out that last right, yeah, marker sure. record, mm-hmm. and that's to dis- make this like a memory lane thing. But when we played, my old band, The Love Co, played that show with you guys where Jeff was sick, and oh, Thursday yeah. played with no vocalist right. in Minneapolis. Um, but I love that record. Um, I don't. I'm probably gonna butcher it. Uh, Aminosity. You got it. Really? Aminosity. Okay. Cool. Um, and I was sort of curious. I mean, what sort of happened? Obviously, you guys are playing shows again. 
that record that was uh, probably what like 10 years ago or something 2005 2005 okay i mean what what kind of prompted you guys to start doing stuff again i mean what what have you guys kind of been up to and like i know this is like a huge question but like in your personal lives i mean what like what have you sort of been up to because i'm sure people are kind of curious because i felt like when i saw the reunion stuff i was like oh this is awesome and kind of unexpected i think it well what we've been up to is a different we both and music musically musically i've been doing a band for the ever since then basically that started right after that record and have been touring with that and doing normal music stuff is that oxes it is okay uh whatever normal normal would be like normal, you know playing shows making records this type of thing and at some point, Al and I started. I mean, we've been Al and I have been playing music together since that record came out. Since we lived in Germany, but under different contexts. Sometimes Al was did a tour with Oxes and was pretty integral to a lot of the recordings of some of the the Oxes record with vocals and and this type of stuff. And I think at some point, and correct me if I'm wrong with your mind, but uh, we lived so close together, and, and it was fun to be playing music together and we're like we should be playing more music together this is crazy we live a two-hour train ride apart and we're having fun doing this so let's get something together and see how it goes yeah and was, did that have anything like and then love it did the frigid form cells reissue too i mean was it something like oh this thing's coming out maybe we should like i think there was just some covers left yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the inserts were left. <laughs> yeah, there's the inserts were there was some inserts still printed. So, gotcha. You know, the yeah the frigid thing actually happened after the it came out before the new record, but it was planned after the new record. Okay, it, it came out kind of because of that in a way, like because we did this new record overseas, and then uh, love it was like, well, it seems like it's been it's time for a reprint, and I still have these, you know, five hundred inserts left. It'd be easy to like do this pressing. Yeah, okay, cool. Seems like good timing. Yeah. I mean, um, also, I want to mention Challenger as well, because um, I saw Jay Tree put all this stuff up on Bandcamp, so you can kind of like listen to all that stuff. So I've listened to that record a lot, um, and it holds up so well. I mean, do you guys ever sort of revisit that record at all? I noticed that people like it. Yeah. I um, It was kind of a... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's always if you. It was sort of a spontaneous record. So, for that, like, uh, you know, like sometimes you put like a lot of effort into something, and then at the end, it's like still didn't really come out how you wanted. It. Sometimes you sort of have no expectation. That was sort of a throwing it out there kind of experience. Yeah. Pretty. So. Yeah, it seems like it worked out pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, I was curious, sort of, as far as like, do people still. Because it's funny, like, reading the intro to Burn Collector and stuff, I was reading on the way here, and it seems like all the stuff about personal zines and stuff is so different now with the internet, like, and Twitter, and everyone sort of has this kind of personal dialogue with the world. I mean, how do you, how do you sort of, like, look back at sort of, like, the days when you were making the zine and sort of all the, you know, the Kinko stuff? And, I mean, how, do you think there's kind of a romanticism to that, or do you think it was just, you know, a lot of extra effort? Um, it was, I mean, sort of weird to talk about like before the internet. I know, I know. It totally is. But I am, I mean, a lot lot of people ask like, how did you go on tour before the internet? (laughs) Which like, we actually did do it 
with pay phones and stuff like that, you know. And and um the as far as the as far as the zine thing goes, it's definitely like I'm now aware that it's a more normal impulse than I used to I mean it used to be somewhat of a you know, I'm publishing a magazine about myself. That's pretty egomaniacal somehow, you know. But it turns out that everybody is totally egomaniacal yeah, when that's given true. the platform. So there's actually sort of a reversal of it, I think, where now the now the physical object gives it like a limitation. Like like everybody can't find it. You have right. to actually you have to actually seek it out instead of just you know, so uh which I never really thought about that as a... I never thought of, like, a limited circulation as a positive thing. I was always thinking, like, get as much of your stuff out as possible. But It is it is funny, though. I, I never really thought about it like that because I, because I grew up with zines and not blogs. And the, the blog thing seems weird because it's like you put it on a web page and it's like, how do you know if anybody looks at it? Right. I mean, how do you keep track of that? I don't know how to look at Google Analytics and this type of thing. And you can't put it in their hands. You, you put again. a counter on the page, and that looks like really amateur and weird, you know? <laughs> but it's like Al makes a reverse blog in a way, you know? Totally. One that's not available for everybody on the internet that you can't just post up and then get comments on, but it's more of a... But it's, like, it's like a fetishized blog in a way. Well, I guess also even now, like, I kind of got a lot of zines out on this tour, and and I still sort of have the hope that maybe it's like the thing that sits around the sits around your room and whatever you might read it once but you might even like look at it twice cuz totally. it's cuz it's you know a few months later it's still there which i think that's harder to do on a screen definitely what kind of zines do you have on tour is it is it all your stuff or different kinds of stuff uh it's i just i mean the i still got stuff in a fair amount of stuff in print in the US so i just it's just uh the stuff that i had in print i had that book for instance and, yeah it's a great one and uh yeah some other recent but i mean your, your zine output is still continuously rolling along and everything so okay it's yeah, it's, it's kind of it's a little slower but maybe a little slower but, but you still have you know new newish stuff out that's in print that you had with us yeah it's definitely like you know plenty of people who who hadn't seen it so he made he, he made a I don't. I don't know if you're if you're aware of it or, or why you would be even really. But Al had a novel come out recently, and but it's in it's in German. Really? It's, no, it's I the, didn't know that. So it's it, it wouldn't make any sense for us to sell it on the on the U.S. tour. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I totally thought that was like a, I thought that was going to be such a genius move, and then yeah, and then even like German people are like, what? Like, why did you put out a book in German? Everybody. Every German person wants to read it in English. You know, they're sort of like they're they're not looking for a translation of something from English into German. So it's like a pretty minimal market for that one. What 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 was your thought process behind that? Just a, like a new challenge? Well, I kind of thought like I live there, I should right. try to like fit in. You know, like <laughs> I was like, I, well, I mean, I just thought it would be like a you know what I uh, yeah I don't know. Seem, you know, it's like the. I always think of things sort of in in this term. Writing is sort of different from music because it's a lot more like isolated process, and music has that like instant gratification of like you play a show and people are like that was good, you know. Hopefully, um, but but I mean it's you know sort of the feedback is instantaneous, and so the um, 
but for me it's all you know like i never started off writing because i'm a isolated introverted person you know i still thought of it as something i can hand out at shows you know so the i don't know to me it seemed like i live in this german-speaking country i gotta get a german-speaking object to press into people's hands it makes i mean johnny cash did songs in german yeah right the johnny Beatles cash did songs in german really know. i didn't know that yeah the johnny cash ones are surprisingly sound like johnny cash singing yeah did, yeah did he, he, he speak actually german no, no no he he just read it phonetically but he really got the he got it pretty good. Like right. it's, it's That's a cool. pretty good fake. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, There's, a lot of bands did that way. You know, I mean, you know, Kraftwerk released their records are in German in Germany. Those people haven't heard the English versions. That, that really, that yeah, yeah, they yeah, their, yeah, 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 they sound silly to to people if you grew up with the German version. Uh, but yeah, but we all grew up knowing the the English versions, right? That's all. I mean, what's the what's sort of like the punk scene? I guess sort of like over there because it's you know I we toured with the same promoter. You know, my band went over there like mm-hmm. ten, eleven years ago, and we played mostly kind of squats and a lot of you know a lot of kind of like live workspaces. I mean, does that stuff still kind of exist over there? Is there less? Because I felt like even back then there were a lot of that stuff was kind of getting shut down. Mm, it definitely exists. Yeah, um, that's great. It's more of a whatever, a little more deeply rooted. I think. Yeah. So, a lot it, of the places went from squats to getting government contracts. So there's there's not a whole lot of like really official squats left in in Germany. There are some and a decent amount of them, but but a lot of times the government would come in and be like, okay, we can, we're not going to be able to kick these people out. And right. we'll offer you a hundred year contract and for for basically like very little money with the sort of clause in it being like you have to take care of the building and fix it up type of thing and make it livable and it seems to have worked out pretty well i I don't have a perspective on from growing up there you know right from from the outside it's there yeah there's still tons of places i imagine 90 percent of the places that you played in 10 years ago were still there doing shows that's awesome I mean, what, what, how do you, how closely do you guys kind of follow like politics and that kind of stuff over here? I mean, because obviously you live in Germany, but I'm sure you lived here most of your life. You have a lot of family here. I mean, do you sort of follow that closely? Po- uh, like, just, just politics general, general and news. Politics. Yeah, I guess just general. The U.S. politics. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would say like almost, if not more than i did when i lived here yeah with the on on a on a national level but not on a local level that's the type of stuff i'm yeah. completely removed from yeah. and there's been a lot of whenever i go to north carolina the local government there is i mean okay there's, they got they got it got really in the news now with the their anti-trans law and this sort of evil stuff they're doing but even before that the whole it is it, just a republican right-wing congress basically there that i don't know a whole lot about but i hear a lot of people complaining about it of how they're sort of ruining everything but that type of thing i'm, I'm pretty outside of until it makes these until it makes big waves of, right you know the mayor of toronto smoking crack or north carolina like oh, yeah. really getting on the map for of <laughs> oppression and the guy and the governor of of maine being a a crazy lunatic it's depressing when north carolina makes international news because because it's like then 
because usually people just like wouldn't know where North Carolina is. You know, if you say that's where you're from, then you have to explain it's like near Washington D.C. Right. It's the best part about being an expat is not having to pay attention to politics, right? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in I know so many Europeans here that they're like, it's so it's so nice not to care about yours or mine. <laughs> It's well, like, my my experience in Germany is that people are, are hyper politicized, and yeah. and it's one of the main topics that comes up on everyday conversation and and immediately, and especially U.S. politics. I mean, there, there's so much political stuff happening right now in in Europe that is really crazy and needs to be people need to be educated about. And my opinion is that people in Germany are extremely educated about it and. It's the type of country where the the news comes on every new every radio station for fifteen minutes an hour. It's oh, just really? standardized, yeah. And and people turn it up and listen to it. It's not like they switch the channel. I mean, I can't speak for an entire population of people, you know. But uh, I my experience is people are very aware and very. Do you think educated. they're less easy to manipulate? I mean, mm, it's hard to say. They don't go for the like. Um, um the word i've lost a lot of english words over the last couple of days uh, the last couple of days they don't go, <laughs> yeah. they don't go for like the the like political drama that the u.s does you know when you look at it's from like, an outside yeah. perspective on the u.s political system it is absolutely amazing and astounding to me of how much it just plays on emotion it's emotional it's not fact-based right well this is what's what trump's all about right right which is from the german perspective seems like unbelievable it's yeah. unbelievable for for us, for yeah, us but it's, clear but it's, thinkers but it's, but on the other side. But it's happening, you know, and everybody's like, there's it's no way he's going to win. He's going to win by, by surprise. You know, Hillary's going to win by a landslide and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't think so. That's what people like, keep saying they, all along the way. Everyone's saying, this can't happen. This isn't, this next step's not going to happen. But it keeps happening. Yeah, that's the fear. I remember thinking, like, dude, nobody's ever going to vote for a failed governor cokehead son of a you know mediocre president Mm, like there's no way (laughs) you know there was no way i may have not even voted in that election for him because i was just like this is ridiculous and he got got didn't the mayor of providence get reelected from jail yeah cianci yeah but that's different that guy that guy had charisma (laughs) yeah okay also that state has consistently been literally the wild west since it's inception as a state rhode island is insane yeah, rhode island's got its got its, its own thing going yeah, on yeah it's like it's literally the wild west i went to school up there and it was it was amazing how like they wouldn't even make excuses about stuff the way like other places you know i remember you couldn't park on the street overnight like you had to find parking for your car well just so happened that but there was no reason for this. Like, there wasn't, like, street cleaning. Like, here they put it, you know, there's street cleaning. They put the sign. Like, you couldn't park on either side of the street overnight. Well, the fact was that the mob owned, like, 75% of all the parking garages oh, in the right. city. But they wouldn't even come, they didn't even feel like it was necessary to come up with an excuse. Like, it was just like, no, there's no parking on the street. <laughs> That's the kind of town that is. Providence. Providence. I mean, what was it sort of like for you guys working on the new record i mean obviously you've played in bands together for so long i mean is it like when you hear a guitar part the other person writes you instantly like oh i got something for that or i know what they're gonna do next like how intuitive is it i guess there's certain aspects of it 
I would say, go pretty easily. Uh, and there's like a uh, pretty maybe natural division of labor in some way, but also I think we tried to also bring in two people that had totally different ideas to make it, you know, a little more to give to give it some kind of like unusual frame or something. Yeah. So there was kind of a it was a sort of fifty fifty like like oh yeah this is this is the next thing this is obviously going to go this way and like what is going on like I've got no idea how we're going to solve this puzzle kind of feeling so that's that would be my that's how I felt about it seems it. like a good good diagnosis <laughs> I mean how often do you guys sort of would you guys kind of get together to to play I mean because obviously two hours is not that far in the grand scheme of things but it's not like you know you not something you want to do, probably, you know. Right, yeah, it doesn't make it a... Three times a week or something. Right. Or it depends, I, or... It depends. It depends on how, how close we got to the recording of the record. And uh, At first, it started with, with Al and I, like, getting together and getting, like, some, some parts together until we had enough to start playing with with the drummer, Ezra. And then, and then Lena joined not long after, and then everything kind of whittled together. I mean, I'd say it was a natural process that's pretty similar of, of most of the ways that the Malmarker records have been written. It's not one person sitting at home and like brings it in and is like, okay, guys, I got like 10 songs, let's bang them out. That's right. not the way that we've ever worked. I mean, how do you sort of, I mean, do you still keep in touch with like a lot of the bands? Or, I, mean, I guess like more I'm saying is like, it seems like so many of the bands you guys toured with have like, sort of gotten back together or have been almost like elevated to this crazy place where it's like i mean how do you look back at like touring because it must have been just normal to you to like play shows with like like now it's like you mentioned like the promise ring or someone and people are like oh my god you saw them i mean how do you mm -hmm. look back at that era maybe when things were when there was like because it seemed like things were more connected i guess because there were actual scenes of cities and i guess maybe that's like another kind of pre-internet thing whereas now i don't feel like i associate bands with places as much Hmm. I guess that's a very vague question. I guess, um, I guess, like, how do you look back? I guess at touring. I guess pre-internet, because I always think that's really interesting. I mean, I, th oh, I think with the sort of idolization or sort of holding things up from the that happened in the past, that's totally normal. That's just like if if you didn't see something, I mean, right. Anything you didn't see becomes a myth, and uh, but I mean, every you know, every. Uh, everything like that has actually happened and someone saw it and it was their their normal what what is their life experience and i don't know a lot of those bands were are uh were really good and deservedly remembered yeah uh, um i think it's really nice that um people hold it. i think it's nice when something becomes kind of mythical because it's like uh, uh you, know, you know it's nice that it transcends uh, the time that it exists in and becomes uh, an archetype to someone. I think that's cool. Do you guys still listen to sort of newer bands or keep up on sort of what's happening or is it, how active are you with that stuff? I I think I'm I'm always looking for for new bands and new music. It doesn't always have to be new as in contemporary, you know, but it's 
there was a while where I would get into music from a different country in a different era and this type of thing. Uh, but I'm, I don't know, I'm still active and was involved with the show collective in, in Germany for the like, last five years. I left it a couple of years ago. Uh, and that's always new bands, but what's it? What's a show collective? Yeah, good, good question. It doesn't really <laughs> exist here, huh? <laughs> you, whatever, helping organize shows it, at a venue. Yeah, we oh. we had a venue that was kind of a place that you probably played even Jonah, but uh, it's open two days a week. We had our own space, and it was total underground squat type of place. Uh, and yeah, two days a month we do shows. And it was 15, 20 people in the group. And you all work for free. It's just a collective type space. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I, I had never really experienced anything like that before. Where it's, it was like you'd get to a show and people would just like make you dinner. Give you, you know, like you'd play. They'd have like beds for you. They'd make you breakfast. And then you just, they'd like, everyone was so nice. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it seems like so much work. And that's the that's the reason that the place I was involved in is only only open two days a week because everybody else had, you know that's not it's not a job nobody makes any money from it they do it because they want to do it and they want to be supportive of the community and that's a great thing I think and a great great feeling also <coughs> yeah it is cool to, to to experience that because it's just a it's like a different form of structuring and you I, you know there's a there's something cool about seeing those kind of principles set in motion because we all sort of abstractly think about like what are the social alternatives how could our society be structured how could our economy be structured in different ways that would be more egalitarian but you know a lot of it's thinking and talking and you you know it's cool to see people trying out other models i mean is that something that's um like mostly exclusive to Germany or is all of Europe touring Europe like that? Because I guess most of my experiences were through Ingo or there, I remember there just being like 50 cities German, in yeah. Germany who would play. Yeah, I, mean, I think Germany has the best infrastructure for it. For okay. some reason it exists there the strongest. And yeah, I would say definitely it's, 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 a, it's a real German thing. Okay. Comparatively. When you go to different places things change. Sometimes it still exists but I think Germany also provided a lot of, I mean, I could just be talking trash here, but I, I'm pretty sure that Germany provided a lot of, like, state-sponsored, well, they did provide a lot of state-sponsored, like, youth centers and this type of thing, which were also used as show spaces and sort yeah. of transformed in a lot of the places that are in Germany, even that do shows, part of the ones that got contracts. It's not exclusively a show space. They also use it as as like a youth center type of thing, which sounds weird in the U.S. because this type of thing doesn't really exist in yeah. the U.S. Like a youth center, what's that? Um, but they also have like kindergartens in them and daycare and this type of thing. So it's more community-based of, you know, free daycare also in this type of thing. So it's I mean, kind it's of, so logical. Take care of the little kids in the morning, the teenagers at night with a rock show. Right. <laughs> yeah, and different groups of people coming in and doing it, and it's and it's funny as every practice space in, bu- in 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 Germany seems to be either like in a in a bunker, like a World War Two like uh, bunker thing, nice. or in a in a preschool or a youth center, in the basements of them. So it, there's always an elementary school. About there's always yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bunker would be a good rehearsal. Place. I it's remember. awful. Really, <laughs> the acoustics yeah, it's, aren't great. 
<laughs> it, yeah, and there's no windows, there's no air circulation, and they're all molding and old and like right. falling down. That's why they're like, what can we do with them? We can't remove them because right. they're gigantic. There's so much stone in them. Oh, let let the punks have it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember we played a show and there was like the heater was like this old World War II or it was like a flamethrower. It was just this thing that like shot and I was like, it was terrifying. I was like, if this place goes on fire, like I'm definitely going to die. Yeah, that's the one thing that's like, I would say Germany is like a really efficiently organized society much more so than the United States but for some reason they lapse on the fire codes. Yeah. That's like the one thing that I'm always, just from the American perspective, I'm like I'm constantly just like, man if there's a fire right now, this hallway, it's too crowded. It's yeah. too crowded. <laughs> well, those stuff, I mean, in, in places, the, yeah, the fire code, the capacity thing is, is hilarious because they'll see a room this size. And I know my, nobody hearing this is going to know how big this room is, but they'll be like, okay, you're going to play there. I'm like, okay, how many people can you fit in? And they're like, 85. <laughs> I'm like, you can't fit 85 people in this room. But yeah, sure, it's no can. problem. Yeah, and you can. It turns out you can. <laughs> it's, just, it's just awful feeling. Yeah. I feel like whenever I travel overseas, like, not to, like, trash talk America, but I do feel like it's weird how, like, it's, maybe it's just New York, too. Like, this, like, level of courtesy, like, doesn't exist here. Where it's, like, over there, I feel like it's, like, people are, like, stand on one side of the escalator and they walk like everything like people are like conscious of places of people around them they're and, conscious of the fact that there's other people in yeah, the world here, with them here yeah. um, so much of the time i just feel like no one is paying attention to uh, anything there's a lot of but i don't know if that's just me idealizing I think, that i think it's a localized thing because really? i feel the exact same way in germany okay one of my one of my things in, in germany right now and I, <laughs> it's a minor trash talk so i don't feel bad about it but i feel like people never learn how to walk in straight lines Really? So you walk down the sidewalk and it's like constantly people, somebody like cutting in front of you, zigzagging. And I'm, my wife does it too sometimes, you know, just like, just go straight. What? What? Like it's efficient. People. I would think they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. That but is it's like, just, uh, obviously, they. I don't think in reality that people in Germany walk zigzagging more than uh, right. Americans walking straight. Right. It's, just a, it's just something that you pick up when you're, when somewhere is your home. Yeah. You know, and you walk around, and you're like, why is everybody texting and driving? You're, no, or, people, I, I'm beginning, the older I get, the more I realize that there's, there's somehow, unfortunately, there's an inherent, like, thing in humans that to make them essentially racist. You know what I mean? Like, you're always trying to put, like, give groups of people, like, their own categories and their own behaviors. Like, it's just like the way you help. People who are different get singled out. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's just like you're like you people. Like you realize, like all people are assholes, yeah. right? But it's like somebody like is a dick to you from a certain you know religious or ethnic group. You're like ah, oh, you people, right? I like well, I like being in, yeah. I feel like cell phones have also like just made walking anywhere just a pain in the ass. That's true. Because no true. one's it paying attention to, to it. The... What does? Cell phones. I feel like yeah. no, oh, yeah. especially yeah. here because it's, it's a walking base. It's like no one is ever paying attention to what's going on. Like everyone's just head is down. Oh, you know, I think Germany. I think it did. Did they have the lights in the in the crosswalks? I think this is in Germany that they were doing this, where to keep people from getting run over and the, crossing the street, they put these lights in the crosswalks that are so bright that you can't see your phone. Such a fucked really? up way to keep I've, I've never, I've never, I've never, never heard about that. that but I, I just hear read about, about the bus it. in it's China that goes new. over cars. Wait, what? Yeah. 
you, you I mean you've seen that the the new public transit system that came out in China? No. The, sorry, this is a detour from what you're talking is it about. The, no, the, the drives it's, over the top yeah. of the cars. Yeah. You have to take a look at it. It's amazing. Really? It's too it amazing to work, tell you about. Man. Okay. It's, it it exists. It exists. <laughs> they made it. It debuted. They actually... It actually exists. Really? <laughs> it went from like internet folklore and going viral on the internet to being a reality in less than a year a or something bus. like this. It's a bus that has like arms that straddle the highway like this. So the wheels are like down here on these like arms. Okay. Something and it drives over two lanes of traffic. It, it is crazy. <laughs> I will say like I was last time I was over in Asia, I remember there was like a new subway line. I can't remember if I was in China, Japan, and they were like, oh, yeah, we built it like last year. And like here, like they've been working on a subway line for what, the Second Avenue subway for like. A hundred years. Yeah, like forever. No, literally a hundred years. Like, I feel like it's so, <laughs> yeah. Like, over there, like, yeah, we just wanted a new one, so we just made it. But they're also <laughs> making these straddle buses that are like des- seem like they're designed by a five-year-old. Well, they, they, they take... <laughs> well, they seem like they're designed by a very smart person to me, because... <laughs> They take so much less time and money than making a new subway line that they sure. they popped up with the idea and they're like, okay, now it's a reality. Now I, people can get around. I just can't see how you can rely on the shoulder to be clear to get. I don't know. No, they have it's systems. amazing. Look at the video. I w- I can't wait to look at the video. You got to look that up in the governor of Maine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I come back? I just I'm curious why you guys both live in Germany. Like it just seems funny that. That you I mean, I guess because it's different cities. That's why. Like, who who was there for? Who went? Who went first? Uh, I don't know. It was kind of about the same time. I mean, but the reasoning was different for sure. I I uh, am like a dual citizen because my mom is German. Oh, okay. And so it was not that. Stri- it wasn't that. Um, no, that makes strenuous sense. of a decision in a way because uh, I don't have to worry about a visa and that sort of thing, and I can speak the language. Right. And. Uh, I, I was I like Berlin. I, I always wanted to live there. Um, Germany was always also. I mean, like Hamburg was always sort of like our home base, touring wise, and we were touring quite a lot over there for for a while. So they we, were good it, to you there. It wasn't. It wasn't like moving to a random place necessarily. It was kind of moving to a place that was a little bit safe because I mean, in a way. Because there was a friend base already that existed there that that we had, and I mean Al Al has been going to Germany for a long time as his mother's German. You mean, mm-hmm. did you even live there when you were a kid? Or just uh, no, I never lived there, but I but yeah, I've always been in some kind of contact to it. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I haven't been to Hamburg, been to Berlin. Wanted to go to Hamburg. It's a little yeah. prettier, right? It's a nice city. Yeah, Berlin's the intense. River and lakes. I just remember Ingo, Ingo took us to the gift shop for St. Pauli. Yep. When we went there. That's a big one. Yeah. It's funny when I came to New York a few years ago and I went in, went into a bar and the first thing I saw in the bathroom was a St. Pauli sticker. It was, it was everywhere. So they're like, they were, I remember Ingo explaining, they were kind of like the working class kind of soccer team over there. Mm, or Yes, in a way, but I think a lot of, teams would probably consider themselves the working class team the thing that they sort of have a left wing kind of reputation that's okay. that's the the thing about the St. Pauli team is they're an anti-racist left wing football soccer team which is they were the maybe the first ones and they they stick to it very strongly with this mentality and that's the you see stickers like 
like smashing the swastika with a St. Pauli logo on it and this type of thing. And that that's in the soccer world and in Europe and in Germany, this is like a big theme that keeps coming up, the politicalness of soccer. Yeah, so, yeah there's definitely... I don't I don't follow soccer but there's other, there's other teams that represent, you know, the right wing the other the other viewpoint gotcha. and their fans can get together and and uh you know do a and do a, a, sim, a simulated version of class warfare. And I'm sure that they think they're the working class team like right. you know, the the neo-nazi guys the working class team. So it's working class is all relative. I mean is there still like there are still neo-nazis in that area, is that still a thing? Very much so. Oh, yeah, really? Because yeah. I feel like you don't really hear about it over here ever. Well, that's kind of the thing, the whole thing about like being an expat and, and like, oh, it must be so great to be an expat and just not have to think about politics, which to me is like, when I hear that from a U.S. perspective, I'm always like, you haven't really thought about like what the, what, what a German identity is, is like, you know, or like what the, you know, you like, if you live in germany and you become aware of like the sort of the subtleties of what's going on in the society there, there's also like a lot of really intense political shit going on that is you know you're um i mean but you know pol- i mean politics is part of the fabric of life and if you're not thinking about it you're on vacation you know i find it wild being on tour over here and i've had quite a lot of conversations with people that I felt like it exhibited a really like what they think is going on in Europe and the reasons things are happening in Europe is like really wild to me and like really off kilter. And I'm like, you live so far away from it. You don't see it. And it's not, it's not relevant unless it's happening in America. And I, I think a big difference with the people that I know in Germany is they also know a lot of stuff that's happening in America because that's still front page news over there. But they also have an understanding of the the violence being caused by IS, by the refugees coming from northern Africa, Syria, blah, 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 and, and Germany's response to bringing them in and sort of a historical, potentially historical reason of why they're accepting so many refugees and sort of, um, I don't know, it's a complicated subject, but it's... I th- the people I've talked to, it seems really misunderstood over here or not. It's so far away that you don't see it. And then Germany let in what 1.2 million refugees last year is a country of 80 million people. That's one out of every 80 people came in. It's, it's massive and it, it, it affects everything. You know, it's, it, you, you see it. And then you also have newspaper articles about these crazy right wing neo-Nazi people setting the refugee houses on fire and stuff like this. Uh, which does happen sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's it's volatile. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's wild. I did not. Yeah, I, I um. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I mean, we hear a lot about like the Brexit stuff and that, and I mean that. But I guess that's like a very big thing. But yeah. Yeah, and sure. I mean, certainly you heard about Paris and and right. You know these these attacks. But yeah, the Brexit thing, that's a whole other kind of funny, funny conversation piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, what um, do you guys think, like, do you ever think about coming back to the U.S.? Or do you, are you happy over there? Is it sort of more like see what happens? 
I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I'm kind of like, when I think about it, it's sort of in this, like, um, I, I, def I kind of think about what would it take to get me to come back to the U.S. Because um, it would seem weird to expatriate from the country you grew up in without really, like, making the decision to do that. I mean, I just moved, I sort of moved there as, like, this is the next city I'm moving to, and not with the thought, you know, it's, it seems like a big decision to make and not actually make that decision. Right. Just sort of let it happen. So, it's hard to imagine staying there forever. It's also hard to imagine... Like, moving like, somewhere else. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to be, like, I'm not going to move back to the U.S. because, like, somebody's like, man, you should play in my band, you know, or something Right, like right, right. Yeah, and I guess that was sort of, yeah, I guess as far as, like, touring, I guess it would be good to be over here. But, yeah, I guess I feel like we're all sort of at the point where it's like, this is fun to do, but I'm not, like, planning on, like, this becoming a full-time job anymore, for me at least. Well, it's, you know, it's also just, like, a, it's just a flight away to get from there to yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so, when it does become a full-time job, you can live anywhere. Yeah. That's the point. I mean, do you do you... How big of a part of your life do you do you sort of want, you know, oxidized mile marker, all this stuff? I mean, because obviously it's so, it must be so ingrained in you for so long. I mean, do you like still having that outlet? Do you wish you could do it more? Do you sort of like having kind of your own life outside of that as well? Well, I, I think like something that has hit me like in the last years is that I like doing it. I very much like doing it and having it part of my life. But it's also of... Uh, a difference with the way that I see it now than I used to see it is at least I'm trying to be a little bit less egocentric with it. Like I've realized that a band is a product of however many people are in that band. So you can only do as much as the person that wants to do the least wants to do before you tip the power structure of that band and turn it into something that's disappointing instead of something that's fun. So for me, it's for me, what I want to do is, is, it's relevant, but it's not the thing that is going to function in the in the band, you know, because it has to be a combination of these decisions from everybody. Because in the end, if you make somebody do something they don't want to be doing, like if if I want to go on tour for eight months a year and somebody else wants to go on tour for two weeks a year and I make them do it, at some point they're going to become resentful and not want to be playing in a band, which then messes up the whole the whole chemistry and formula. Yeah, I think that's a very hard lesson to learn. I it like, is. Yeah. And yeah, and we've definitely in, in bands before, and even even in this band, probably, you know, tried to push to one thing, or, or not even me sometimes, but like the band was under pressure to do to do things because we owed a lot of people a lot of money and this type of thing. And it's like, if we can just break even. Right. But, you know, it's always a fight because it's always, yeah, it's always difficult. Are you guys playing? Oh, sorry. I'll go ahead. You, no, no, no. Are you guys playing Gainesville Fest this year? If you guys play it down there, we're not. Not okay. That's in October. I yeah, think. It's we're on tour Hollywood. in Europe. Okay, yeah. gotcha. If it, we're playing, I feel like it's like Planes Mistaken for Stars, like Twelve Hour Turn. It's like every yes. band I listen to in like the early two thousands. I feel like yeah, that's cool. It, it is looks cool. good. It is cool. It's. I, I think it is actually is really interesting how many of those bands sort of are still together it is it's it is kind of neat like i feel like it wasn't really like that when i was growing up i guess what that that bands would that, that you liked would be like, come like back that together bands that, the bands that like weren't super big would still sort of still be sort of doing stuff i don't know yeah i think a lot of people realized that you can just keep doing it and there's not a 
there's some sort of a shift in how people perceive it and and what people expect from it i think because so many of these bands including us are not doing it i mean there's no in, there's no incentive except that you have fun doing it right essentially and so so that makes for good shows because people are doing it out of excitement about it yeah so have I, these I, shows been good for you guys oh yeah well definitely we we i mean i don't know you know going on tour is going on tour it, yeah it's up and down but uh yeah definitely i was I, I mean i i personally like the whole live in europe tour in the u.s dynamic better than the other way around at least as far as the kind of i mean it's strange to tour in the u.s as a as an international like overseas thing because it's so much more of a logistical hassle and and uh yeah and it's just sort of like a financial risk um but but it's great it's it's uh it's really fun and it's great to see so many people and yeah it's, it's yeah it's nice. nice to be back in the in the u.s and have time and also be able to to travel around every city that we play and have good friends in that city that it's hard to see them on a normal basis and that's something as hard as like okay it's just a flight away but like the u.s is a flight away but you know tour long enough and you get like good friends spread out all around the the country so it's a good way to see them too it's a little selfish in that way but it's it's a good one it's a nice bonus put it that way yeah definitely that's really interesting i mean what else do you guys sort of do you think you'll be touring more kind of in the u.s or space it out or i mean because i'd imagine it isn't really feasible to come over here all the time yeah it's gonna be it would have to be planned like in a way that that makes sense with, with flights and yeah. where are the other yeah. band members are they in the states right now no we all live in like uh two of us live in berlin and two of oh. us live in hamburg oh. yeah and yeah one of them is walking around your city right now taking a <laughs> look at everything probably at the moma it sounds like <laughs> yeah they were they were totally excited about the museums yeah, yeah i was actually i went to some cool museums i was in berlin last year and i went i think it was berlin they had this museum that was like all kind of blocks like you walk, it was like almost like a maze Museum I think it was in Berlin. Maybe I'm, maybe I was somewhere else. It sounds like the Holocaust mo- monument. It, I went. Oh, I went to a. Hol- I went. Uh, you know what? I did go to the, the Holocaust. I did go to this crazy Holocaust museum too. Right along. That's a got that which is kind of like an outdoor maze. Yeah, and there's thing, like rev- yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, and there's like kind of remnants of the wall and stuff. Yeah, they got in there, but um, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of good museums over there as well. Yeah, there definitely are. That's definitely true. Do you guys have any like stuff you want to do in New York? Like your like places you hit, like record stores and stuff, or is it sort of more like? Oh, no, I want to definitely not buying any records. I <laughs> 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 already not, have enough stuff yeah. to try to figure out how to get it, get sure. it back over there. I mean, do you structure the tour so you got some time? You know, I mean, as much as possible, but it's just not. I it's mean, not, uh, it's not economical. It's yeah, right, not in New you, York if you don't live here. Right, exactly. So it's like nice to it's nice to have like. A day or a couple days to hang out but you can't yeah i mean there's a lot of places where it would be nice to hang out a few days yeah but sure. it's not you know it's not that's the thing you know it's like you just you have to rent a bunch of stuff borrow a bunch of stuff you know you kind of and also you have to eat every day you know you sort of uh so it doesn't it, it's uh doesn't it's not financially feasible to do it 
the most luxurious way. Is there any place over here that you guys look forward to playing, like any particular town or venue when you come over? Good. Uh, a bunch. Yeah, a bunch, really. I was looking forward to our Chicago show at the Empty Bottle. It was I like that place. Spent a lot of time there. Has a lot of meaning to me in the past. Right. Speaking of which, I, you know who I still talk to a lot is uh, Dave Lewis. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's in Finland now, which yeah. is wild. It is. It is wild. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, we used to always play over there and stay at Dave's house. Um, what was I going to say? I mean, I'm curious, like, how often does, like, burn collector stuff kind of come up in your day-to-day life? I mean, do you still get a lot of messages about that? I mean, is that still something that people talk to you about a lot? Or uh, No, it hardly ever comes up. I get, like, physical mail sometimes, and I never answer it. Um. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah like it's actually that's what a thing that's kind of strange about being here is sort of that people connect to that and I'm like I've become like totally unaware of having that audience or it's definitely not present in my day to day thing uh, and even the whole like even like a zine as an like the personal zine as an object is not really like didn't make it in Germany so it's not even like something I can, like if I give one to somebody, they're like, what is this? So That's so really crazy to me. Because I feel like what, like what you did, like, you know, like Burn Collector Comic Bus, like all these zines were, are so iconic and so like are the ones that kind of people remember out of all of them. Well, yeah, but it definitely got around a lot more in the U.S. than in yeah. Germany. Um. Is it book still in print? Like, can people still get that? Uh, yeah, I got a, got a few books in print, uh, the Burn Collector book and and a couple other ones, and they're readily accessible and you know like in in usual bookseller you, uh, venues. Do you guys do the ebook stuff at all? Like, do you read ebooks or do you prefer regular books? I don't I, do that <clears throat> at all. But really. I haven't done the ebook thing. I got an ebook reader for my wife one time, and uh, I tried it out. For me, it was like a really good idea to take it on tour instead of a, of a book. Right. And I really liked. The, I was really impressed with it. But I, you know, I think I read it once. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I was I was impressed with it. I feel, that's how I feel. I like the idea of it, and I have a small apartment. Um, so I don't like having stuff everywhere, but it's, I don't like looking at, I feel like I look at my computer all day and then I'm like looking at a computer screen mm. again. Yeah, right. I tried one of them that didn't, it doesn't look like a computer screen to yeah, me. Yeah, really. you've got, I think you've got to I wouldn't dare do it on a, on a iPad <clears throat> yeah, or something yeah. but where it's like actually glowing at you, but yeah. the ones where they're, I mean, the thing I bought was the cheapest one I could, I could but they kinda look find like for her okay. <laughs> because I didn't know if she was going to like it or not. Thing. And, it, and it looks, it looks good it doesn't yeah. hurt your eyes or anything and it's, it's cool a little you awkward can, like, to use but it's pick the font and like yeah maybe i should i'm, I'm again yeah i'm the same way i'm like really into the idea but the few times that i've tried them out i just whatever i just like to have a dirty old paperback the thing man. that's confusing for her is that, so I, I gave it to her and then i put a bunch of books on it and then she read all the books and she's like how do i put more books on it <laughs> <laughs> like I don't understand how how does this thing work? Will you do it for me? I was like, I don't know what kind of books do you want. I, was like, I don't know where to buy them from. A friend gave me those, or they were like you know like old old ones from? that you can get public domain or right, whatever. right, right. And 
so now it just sits there for for years. Now it's just like a, a paperweight because she doesn't know how to load it up <laughs> with the computer, <laughs> and she doesn't want like an Amazon account or whatever you have to right. get in order to like download the books. And then when we looked up the books, I was like, "Whoa, the books are like just as expensive for no, they're more." They this is yeah. the other thing. I'm I'm essentially huh. morally opposed to it because they cost more. They, That's insane. Almost across That's the crazy. board. It's not like it's not like one or two of them. It's like. Every time I've ever looked up a book, the ebook was always more. Yeah, than, I did. One, I, than bought, a hard I bought it today. Definitely the paperback. The dude from the Mountain Goods wrote this book. I heard it was good, and I bought it today, and it was like the exact same price as a Kindle as the, book. It, they insane. could ship it to me in two days, and I was like, I guess I'll just do that, so I don't have to look at my thing. But yeah, yeah. you can give it to That's somebody. You yeah, can read it, it again. Strange. Like yeah, well, even even in Berlin, I can find like cheap used English language books, and it's not. I don't know. That seems crazy for sure. It, it I, is, and it's it's definitely the way it is. It seems completely. You would think that they would want to like encourage people to embrace this. You don't sell a digital record for more than the vinyl. No. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's a good point. It, yeah, that really doesn't make any sense. Oh, and it's so fucking irritating. Um, I got into it. I didn't get into it, but I got in a discussion with my librarian because they have like digital. You can borrow <laughs> books digitally now. Oh, and she was like, "Well, there's like 14 people in front of you for this one," and I'm like, "Right, but like in front of a digital book." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Right, but it, can I just get it sooner?" Like I was like, "It's not. I mean, there <laughs> doesn't matter." And she's like, "Right, but like we have to do it the same process." And she's like, "If we just gave the book whenever you wanted it, no one would." And I was like, I guess it sort of makes sense, but it's very frustrating to me. That's wild. I don't yeah. know about yeah, it's just, that. It, here's my, my USB stick. It. Just like, you know, just give it to me. How do you even bring back a digital book? I don't, it, I don't it, even it understand. It literally that. is on your device for like X amount of time and then it just disappears. Hmm. Like they just sort of like. And they can't just put that on everybody's device for X amount of time? No. No, but you they two could. found out a way to put their their stuff on everybody's device forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. She, they won't. They have to wait. Like they'll be like, so and so return this. Okay, now it's on your thing for two weeks. <laughs> wow, that's wild. It's yeah, it's really crazy. I wonder if you. I mean, I'm sure that the reason for that that there's a good reason, and it's probably that they, you know, the authors are like, okay, two people at a time can read my book for free. You know what I mean? Like if if suddenly right. like. 20,000 people could read it at the library. Right. It would no one definitely would affect it. like sales. Of course. But if somebody was like 20,000 people can read your book, I'd be like, all right. Well, yeah. yeah. And this yeah, is kind of the true. way. But that's like, why I'm wondering if there's an option. I wonder if you can option into if you like have your book in the library, if you could say, you know what, as many people I don't as want can. Yeah. I guess you could give it away online if that was the case. But statistically, it doesn't affect anything because if 20 people read it in groups of twos, yeah. It. There's still gonna be twenty thousand people that read it. And yeah, it doesn't matter if they all do it in the first day, and then and then it's dead for the next. Well, year, except you know? that, like an album, the hype is in the first few months. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but that's idea. a that's a um, marketing idea, and, right? And especially dumb for uh, lit- literature. Yeah, it's not. I don't think literature is like going in a massive sales. At I mean, the it's moment, dumb for music it's... too, because like you don't, you know, it, that's not how it, how you actually process the art forms. Right, but I don't know. I, I she tried to explain it to me, and I was like so frustrated, <laughs> and I just laughed. It, is, it does seem crazy. It does seem crazy. <laughs> um, so um, if if people want to sort of check out, um, I guess like the doctor stuff, kind of your writing out. I mean, is there like a place to do it, or just kind of Google it? Is that what's the best way to kind of find what you guys are working on? It's 
it's all on the web. Okay. I, I mean, I can put some links on like, the, if you guys go to this. Yeah, I mean, Oxus is on all the normal band camp. It's on oxus.com, Facebook stuff, and Al's thing. I don't. How do you keep what about Alice's this blog? Band? This band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the band you're currently getting interviewed for. <laughs> no, I thought. Sorry, I, I, thought yeah, I was just asking in stuff. general. Like, like, no, 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 Mile Marker, I feel like people should, no, cut the Oxus stuff out of it. I don't know. No, no, I don't just, yeah, yeah. Edit that out. No, no. I thought, I thought you were talking about the other stuff. I kind of was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I guess maybe, yeah. I feel like Mile Marker people will be able to find if if they can't figure that out, like that's on them, sort of. It, <laughs> that's right. yeah, but that's but that's but that's like the whole thing of like any of the i mean i don't really know what to say about i mean i have like i mean i think yeah can't ever can't everybody just figure this out if they i guess it was yeah it's like it's just like one one google search yeah and, and it, it's people yeah. i found i found a, a a great website or my friend told me about it i was like i'm so like i'm so frustrated on tour like talking about all this social media stuff and being like a pre-internet band Right now, we're a post-internet band, which at a huge disadvantage because we don't know how to work the social media stuff, and we never had it. So now everything got set up, and now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we have to have a Facebook page that drives me nuts. I don't want to set that up. I'm like, fine, doing a normal website, cool, right? And then I'm like, okay, we have to have some sort of Twitter or Instagram thing. It's like there's no chance I can do both of them. <laughs> so I'll like try the Twitter thing, and I'm just like, we have to. Yeah, I don't know if like, we have to or not. Maybe we don't have to, but it, it? but it, but it it actually turns out it's kind of nice for some things. And uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll during the tour wake up and have you know like fifty relevant emails that just appeared in the time that I went to sleep and until I woke up and I was just like, oh my god! <laughs> and a lot of them were people like, hey man, what's the set time tonight? Do, yeah. you know, do you know? Do you know the order? Do you know if the show is all ages or twenty one up? Like this type of thing. And I was talking to my my friend about it, and he was like, "Yeah, just point him out to the website. Let me Google that for you." dot com. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Apparently, it is a real website. Really? Yeah. And it Google's things for you. Yeah. But it's just a smart ass link you can send back to somebody right. when they ask you a stupid question. It's like go to let me Google that for you. dot com. You know. <laughs> That's a good one. And my favorite is like when people ask me directions to like a venue or something. I'm like, dude, in texting me, you could just go on a map site and just type in the address. Maybe they just want to talk to you, Jonah. <laughs> You ever think about that? Yeah, these are... Even even in texts. This is just people trying to make conversation. They want to reach out. Yeah, maybe you're right. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Maybe, I, they'll, maybe one day they'll listen to your podcast where you complain about them doing that. <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, I don't want to hang out. This guy is so cranky. <laughs> I think I need to be more post-internet. I think that's a good move, guys. I like to think of it as post-internet because it's just, it's, I mean, it's in an abstract positioning, but I always think I'm like behind. But it's nice to find out I'm ahead. <laughs> okay brad wake up what uh, that uh was, sometimes uh, i'm i'm not I'm not always paying attention yeah <laughs> i understand uh that was alberian and dave laney from mile marker you can check out the latest mile marker album overseas it's out now on love it check out all their records um they got quite a few they got quite a serious few. discography Frigid Form Cells, obviously a classic on Jade Tree. Uh, also, Eyeball, when my band was on Eyeball, they put out uh, Ominosity, I believe in the um, early 2000s. And I, that record, I think, is maybe one of the underrated Mile Marker albums. And also, I talk about this a lot, the Challenger record they did together uh, is great. 
uh, give people what they want, lethal doses. And all that stuff, JTree stuff, is on Bandcamp. So you can listen to it. Sweet. And, yeah, so do that. Um, if you like listening to us, you can donate at goingofftrack.com. Uh, you can also leave us a comment <laughs> on iTunes. Leave us a comment on iTunes? Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. I start saying this so much where I'm just saying it and I don't even like... I'm like, you can leave us a... like. You can donate on Instagram. You could also download a, our logo and put it onto a poster and put it in your window of your dorm. Ooh, someone's calling me from Beverly Hills, California. Why aren't you special? <laughs> Jonah. It's like name dropping. It's like place uh, dropping. I know. It is place dropping. Somebody's calling me from Hollywood. I guarantee you it's someone like, have you listened to this record best band you, you're never going to care about? <laughs> like, no, I haven't. Th- this... Uh, let, let me just go off track for a second here. Yeah, please. This is the thing that drives me the most nuts. Uh, publicists, like when I worked at AP, they would call the office line. I would almost never answer. Yeah. Now everyone has a cell phone. I haven't had a landline, whatever, like 15 years. Uh, and it's like these publicists will send you emails and it's like, whatever, you can ignore an email. It's like, I, I write about a very niche sort of pants, but there's like a couple of publicists that still will just call you and it's like, I'm like, hello. And they're like, Hey Jonah, like, have you listened to this record? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, cool. It's like, are you really calling me about this? Like, doesn't that seem super intrusive to you? Like, just send me an email. That would and if I, me out. And if I don't write you back, like, that probably means like I'm not covering it. <laughs> and you're emailing thousands of people about it. But it's so weird. And they're like, well, just want to tell you about the shows coming to town soon. I'm like, yeah, can like I've I've now I'm sort of I'm like, hey, can you just email me this? Like, I try to be nice about it, but it's. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> am I being too sensitive? Uh, it's just like I'm in the middle of irritating. doing shit. And I, it's like, I get it that like if you really want to like if you really want to reach somebody, you, f- you call them on the phone. Yeah, I, I'm like that's my last line of defense. I mean, that's my last like kind of you know because I'm definitely I've fully embraced the new millennium of texting well, like, and emailing and doing different. anything except having a talk on the damn phone. It's different if you're like a friend. Like if you're like my friend and you're like, hey man, just wanted to like see how you're doing or yeah, ask you about something. Do I don't do that. Do I, if I, do I ever call you? Never. I don't think I've looked at your call log. I probably never fucking have even made a voice call to you in our Well, history. I know. And that's the other thing. <laughs> now I get anxiety when everyone calls me because I'm like, oh, this is bad news. Yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think if it's a friend or even if it's like a work thing where like we're working on something together, you're my editor, yeah, dude, like, like that's cool. But I'm like, d- you're like just soliciting stuff. Yeah. Which I mean is effective, but yeah, it's also annoying. It's essentially, it's essentially, you know, like a, it's like sales. It's like a spam call. This also happened to me on the train two days ago. I'm on the train. It's crowded. This guy goes, hey, uh, what do you do? And I was like, uh, I'm like a writer. He's like, have you ever thought about getting into sales? And I was like, no. And he like gave me this. It was asking me all these questions about myself. And he's like, on know, the subway? On the subway in the morning. He's like, he's like, do you know anyone who's looking for a job in like sales and marketing? Like age like 18 to like 31. And like, I'm like, no, man, I don't. Like I'm 37 years old. <laughs> like all of my friends here either have jobs or didn't get jobs and left. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I don't know anyone that's going to want to, like, work for, like, your weird company. But he was, like... He's soliciting employees on the subway. And I was, like, like being friendly to her. I was, like, whoa, who do you work with? Like, I was, like, trying to be nice. But it was so weird. And I was, like, why did you pick me? (laughs) Like, you look like a salesman. 
Yeah, I was like, dude, like, was it like my dirty drive like Jehu shirt <laughs> and like the fact that I was like staring at the ground? Like, does that like this guy screams like he's a clutch salesman? <laughs> oh, that's 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 bizarre. Dude. It was pretty weird. Yeah, that's weird. He wanted to fuck you. <laughs> I don't think so. He had a very weird vibe. Like, like you got the vibe like he has had to do that like has to do this all the time oh like, really like you got the vibe that like he just is doing this wherever he goes he's like the guy on the sidewalk handing out little pamphlets to everybody for you know a free yeah yogurt i always take those do you just i to always make take feel them good? just because i i look at those those dudes and i'm like this job sucks yeah yeah and That's probably funny. the faster they handle these out the faster they're done <laughs> Yeah. And they'll be here forever if no one takes one. And I was like, I'm probably just going to recycle it or throw it away, but I'm just going to take one. Nice. Yeah. That's nice of you. And then sometimes I'll go to take one and they won't want to give it to me. Like, I feel like sometimes they're like giving it and then like, and I'm like, dude, I don't fucking want your junk. I'm just doing this to be nice. Like, I'm oh, sorry. I'm not cool enough, but it'll be for like a salon or something. But I'm like, dude, no one's going to use these. Just give me it. Like, I'm trying to help you out. Like, how dare you? You can't, you can't win, dude. How dare you? <laughs> oh, you can't win. Can't win. But anyway. you can win if you listen to the Going Off Track podcast and hook us up, maybe donate a little money for our server costs. Yeah. Give us a little nice review on iTunes or elsewhere. Yes. Put we up a poster so- in your front yard with our logo on it. We went this so- is my new thing. We went so off track that Brad had to do that part. Uh, yeah, sorry about that little rant. Um, but yeah, donate um, or just support us. Leave a comment. It'd be really sweet. And we'll be back next week with another great podcast. Bye. Yeah!